I'm going to get right into the Word this morning. Uh, as I was seeking God about the direction, what direction to take our church in 2019, God spoke to me a word for our church this year, and I revealed it last week. Uh, but for those of you who weren't here last week, the word that God gave me was the word together. And I believe that God wants us to come together in community, in building relationships this year. And he wants us to be very, very, very intentional about that. Uh, the scripture, the verse that goes along uh, with the word is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 12. And it says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you would anoint my lips and anoint the word this morning. We rebuke any distractions. We pray that the word would fall on good soil. We pray that you would remove the thorns and the stones. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, church, doing life together is just better. Doing life together is just better. In 2019, God wants our church to focus more on circles than he does rows, okay? He's more interested in us filling up homes than he is filling up this auditorium, although I want to fill up this auditorium this year. Uh, he's more interested in how much community we have rather than how big of a crowd we can gather, okay? Uh, God wants us to think small. God wants us to think small. And what I mean by that is, who are the two or three people in our church that you are going to get to know really, 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 really well this year? Who are the two or three people in this church that you're going to get to know? Hey, he wants you to think smaller when it comes to relationships this year. He wants our focal point to be on the table, breaking bread together. Okay? I heard someone say this recently, and I thought it was so good. And if you could put that quote up um, on the screen. The original architecture of the church was a table in a home. When you think of the word church nowadays, what do you think of? You think of a building. You think of a space. You, you think of a steeple with a cross on it. You think of stained glass. But it was not always this way. When the church first started, the focal point, the center of it was a table and people who broke bread and fellowshiped and built relationships with one another. And I think we need to go back to that. I think we need to go back to where it all started. And I'm not opposed to buildings. I'm not opposed to auditoriums. I'm not, I'm not opposed to crowds. I'm not opposed to any of that. But as long as we're coming together and we have community with one another, and that is the central focal point of what we're doing. So today we're in part two of a four-week series called Together, and we're using the word together as an acronym. And so uh, last week we looked at the T and the O, and for the letter T we used the word trust, and we talked about how uh, any community, any family, any sort of uh, together uh, uh, culture that we're trying to build it has to. It must start with trust. If you don't have trust, you don't have anything when it comes to community and being together. And I said last week that trust is built when your character is predictable. 
Trust is built when your character is predictable. What I mean by that is the people in your circle, the people in your life, when the storms come, they have to know, they have to trust that you are not going to fall off the deep end. They've got to know, you've got to be predictable that you're not going to lose it when the storms come. And when they know, when that part of your character is predictable, then you can be trusted. Amen? And for the letter O, we use the word ownership and talked about how ownership of our community means that you are willing to take initiative of the things you already know. And so practically speaking, that means no one has to tell you to build relationships with other people in the church. It shouldn't be that it shouldn't be a sermon that I have to preach. It shouldn't be me sitting you down and talking to you and giving you a pep talk and all that. No one should make you or force you to build relationships with people. It should be what you already do because you know that it's important. Uh, it means that no one has to make you bring people together, right? No one has to make you ask somebody to lunch or ask somebody to coffee or, or ask somebody to come and hang out in your home. Nobody should have to ask you that. It, ownership means you take initiative and you do those things. You take initiative and run with the vision. That's what initiative is. That's what ownership is. And so today, for the letter G in the word together, we're using the word genuine. We're using the word genuine. And the word genuine means not counterfeit. It means authentic. It means real. It means free from hypocrisy. It means sincere. Uh, who in the Bible do you think of most when you hear the word hypocrite? For me, who? Judas, yeah. For me, yes, Judas is a great answer, but I think when I hear the word hypocrite, I automatically think of the Pharisees, yeah. right? I automatically think of the Pharisees. And have you ever noticed that Jesus never spoke harshly to sinful people, to sinners? Yeah. Yeah. He never did. Like the woman at the well who was divorced five times and was uh, living with her boyfriend at the time that Jesus and her connected with one another. He didn't speak harshly to her. Uh, the, the woman who was caught uh, in the act of adultery, Jesus, uh, he didn't speak harshly to her. He, he, he defended her. He told her to go and sin no more, but he defended her to the religious people. Uh, the tax collectors that he had meals with. He hung out with the, the outcasts, the misfits, and he never treated them harshly. But it's a completely different story when he speaks to the Pharisees, isn't it? He's actually quite harsh with them. He's quite straightforward. He's very, very straight up with the Pharisees. And the reason this is so, and the reason Jesus was so harsh with the Pharisees is because they were hypocrites, okay? One commentary said this about hypocrisy. The word hypocrite comes from the Greek word for an actor's mask. In the Greek theater, there were two types of play, the comedy and the tragedy. In a comedy, the actor would wear a mask with a huge smile. In a tragedy, with a huge frown or sad face. Whatever the mask, it represented the actor in character, not the real person. Church, we can simply be playing a part when we're around church people. And then when we are away from our church family, when we're away from our church community, we can take off that mask and put on another mask. A together community will never be established if we have a bunch of people just simply playing parts. Okay? 
true community, true authentic together community is established when we take our masks off and let people see who we really are behind that facade, behind that masquerade. That's when true relationships can be built. We must be genuine with one another. We must be real with one another. We must be transparent with one another. And it takes taking that mask off and saying, you know what? I'm embarrassed a little bit of who I really am, but this is who I really am. Warts, pimples, and all. That's who I am. And I hope you will love who I am. Nothing, and I mean nothing, will kill togetherness and community faster than hypocrisy. You ever met someone that didn't practice what they preached? I, not someone that messes up every once in a while and, and, and genuinely, you know, falls. I do that. I, I mess up all the time. Ask my wife. I'm talking about someone that deliberately says one thing but does another. Those type of people, man, I don't like to be around those type of people. Uh, I knew a preacher uh, that was incredibly gifted and he was incredibly anointed and he preached amazing sermons, but he was incredibly disrespectful and demeaning towards his wife. You know, he would preach these amazing messages and he would wow these crowds of people. He would lay hands on people and they would get healed and, and, and breakthrough would happen and all those. But I'd be at his house and he would treat his wife like a two-year-old. And man, I, I couldn't help but lose respect for that man because I saw him treat his wife this way over and over and over and never apologized about it, never said anything about it. He, that's how he treated his wife. So how can you become a genuine person that attracts others? Because our job here at the Grace Place, our job here at the church is not to help you find friends. That's not our job. It's to help you become a good friend. You see, because if you don't know how to be a good friend, you can go to Hillsong, you can go to Times Square Church, you can go to any other great church in New York City, but you will still not have any friends because you don't know how to be a good friend. And so here at the church, we want to help you to become a good friend because when you become a good friend, you can go to Timbuktu and you can thrive because you know how to build relationships. You know how to take the mask off. You know how to be real. You know how to be authentic. You know how to be vulnerable. And people are attracted to authenticity. Amen. One of the ways you can become a genuine person is by looking at the opposite of what a genuine person is and don't do those things. Right. That's one way. And, and, and that's what we're going to do for a few minutes here. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus, he preaches a scathing message about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees who were the religious leaders of the day. And so I'm going to quickly give you two signs that you are a hypocrite. So hopefully you don't fall under these two things. But if you do, you got hope, okay? Because Jesus is here. Number one, hypocrites are do as I say, not as I do types of people. Hypocrites are do as I say, not as I do types of people. Hypocrites are people who talk a big game, but don't back it up with their actions. Okay? They're quick to tell you what to do, even though they're not doing the thing that they're telling you to do. Matthew 23 and 3, it says this, so practice and obey whatever they tell you. And this is Jesus talking about the Pharisees. But don't follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. It would be like me telling you, 
every single Sunday getting up here and saying, I want you to give generously, and I want you to be obedient to the Word of God. But then you look at my giving records, and I didn't give a dime to the church. How would that make you feel? Or it'd be like me telling you to build relationships with people in the church, but me never inviting anybody over to my house to get to know. Or it would be like me calling this these 21 days of prayer and fasting, right? And telling everybody, let's start the year off strong. Let, let's fast for 21 days and pray. And then you find out I've been eating ice cream and pizza the entire time. And I just posted stuff on Facebook and Instagram to make myself look good. That would be hypocritical, right? And so next time I ask you to do something, you would, uh, you, you would be hesitant to do what I asked you to do because you're like, you're not even doing it. You know what I mean? Hypocrites don't lead by example because they want everything to benefit them. People who are genuine are happy to lead by example because they want you to experience the joy of what they have experienced. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 33. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. And then the very next verse, we go into chapter 11 and verse 1. He says this, And you, talking to the church, should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. We will come together and form a genuine community when you and I genuinely, sincerely, and authentically do what's best for someone else. When we're not just focused on me, myself, and I, but when we are focused on bearing one another's yeah. burdens, yeah. when we are focused on covering other people's weaknesses, yeah. when we are focused, when our focus goes from just us to someone else, that is when real, authentic community is going to be developed and established in our church. When we don't have the mindset what can I get out of this church, but what can I build in this church? That's when community is going to be built. When we don't just make decisions that promote our personal comfort and convenience, but make decisions that are truly beneficial to our brothers and sisters who are walking with us. That's when community is developed. Togetherness will happen when you and I deeply, not superficially, but when you and I deeply care for one another, it's when John over here, John Coolish over here, cares deeply about what Japheth is going through. Yeah. And when Victoria cares deeply about what Priscilla is going through. And, and, when, and when Megan starts to do what's best for Ticho, and, and that becomes a culture, that becomes a habit, that becomes our everyday decisions that I'm not just living for me, I'm living for my community as well. That is when supernatural things take place. Amen? Hypocritical people don't have an authentic bone in their body, so they don't really care about anyone else but themselves, so they don't live this way. Matthew 23 and verse 4, Jesus is continuing to talk talking about the Pharisees, they crush people with their unbearable religious demands, yet never lift a finger to ease the burden. That leads me to the second sign of a hypocrite. Hypocrites will tell you everything you're doing wrong with zero intention of helping you. 
This is anti-community here. I will never, if I do, call me out, I will never tell someone what they're doing wrong without trying to help them. Now, sometimes helping them is saying, you got to do this on your own because you got to grow up, right? But but, but the, the motive is never to just say, you're doing this and this and this and this wrong. And, not, and with no intention of trying to help them and disciple them and mentor them through the process. Yeah. The type of community we want to build here at the Grace Place NYC is one where we are willing to walk with you through your struggle. We want to build a culture, a, an atmosphere where we don't leave you hanging when you're struggling. When, when you're just hanging on for dear life, we don't want to cut the rope. We want to help you up. That's what we want to build here at the church. It's a community that empathizes with one another's hurt and pain. You know, Jama, most of you know that she recently lost her father and she that's why she's not here at church today because she's in St. Louis bearing her father, but uh, you know, when her father uh, even before he passed away when we knew that uh, he he was he was headed towards that direction, instead of our church family just hoping and wishing uh, that Jama would be able to deal with the grief and, and all of that stuff. And even just praying, we went a step further than that. And one of the people in our church had an idea of, of, of just, just calling on some people that are close to Jama and raising some funds to help her because she had to travel back and forth to Missouri several times. And man, that's expensive. And then on top of that, she's trying to handle all of the details of her dad passing away and her mom is sick as well. And so uh, because of our community, we were able to bless her financially to help her with some of those costs. Why? Because that's what family does. That's what family does. And that's the kind of community that we are a part of and that we want to build and we want to be intentional about building this year. Uh, Hypocrites want you to fail because in a twisted way, it makes them feel better about themselves, right? Genuine people elevate those around them. They elevate those around them. Now, for the letter E in the acronym TOGETHER, we're using the word EFFORT. EFFORT. This is a word that a lot of church people don't like. Anything that has to do with work, effort, you got to actually try. It's like we're, we're allergic to that stuff in the church for some reason. We just want it to magically just happen and and. Just everything, poof, and it's there. But, but community, togetherness, it involves effort. This word together that God has given us this year will be nothing more than wasted breath if there's not a concerted effort from all of us to come together. Yeah. It can't just be something the pastor is saying. Yeah. Right. It, it's gotta be, it's, there's got to be a concerted effort from all of us. We have all got to pitch in for this to be accomplished this year. Uh, Living in community um, is not a feeling. It's not a thought. It's not a wish, okay? Just like anything else worthwhile in our lives, it is a decision. It is a decision. Uh, Me uh, marrying my wife, that was not a thought. It started as a thought. 
It wasn't a feeling. I had lots and lots of feelings. Uh, it wasn't a wish. I did wish that she said yes. But it was a decision that both of us had to make and say we are in love with each other. But more than that, we are committed to doing life together, whether things get hard or whether things are, are awesome. And things have gotten hard at times. Not like relationally necessarily, but we've had things happen in our lives that are difficult. It was hard when I was going through chemotherapy treatments. It was, it, it's been hard at times where we're like, I don't know if this church is going to make it, but I have a partner with me that we are committed to one another, but, but that, that commitment is a decision. It's not a wish. It's not a, it's not a good thought that evokes these pink feelings, right? It's a daily, daily decision that I'm going to love her no matter what. She's going to love me no matter what. Even if I leave my clothes in the bathroom after my shower, she's going to love me. Right? <laughs> but it's a daily, daily decision. You must decide to be authentic. You must decide to be real. You must decide to plant yourself here at the church. You must decide that you're going to get to know someone else. You must decide that life is better together, that life together is better than life alone, that struggling together with other people is better than struggling alone, that succeeding all alone is not as good as succeeding with other people around you to cheer you on. You must decide to be real and honest when you're struggling. Living together in community is like building muscle. You have to work that muscle. You have to lift weights. You got to do push-ups. You got to You've got to work that muscle in order for that muscle to grow. Or what happens? It becomes flab, right? But you've got to work that muscle, living in community, building relationships. It, it, it's like working that muscle. You've got to put effort into it. You've got to, put, uh, you, you, you've got to, you've got to challenge yourself to, to, to live this way. It's not, for some of us, it's not natural to live this way. We want our privacy. We want to do our own thing. We don't want anybody in our business. We just, want to, we just want to do what we do and not have anybody messing with us. And so you've got to work this muscle that's called community. You've got to work this muscle that's called relationships. And it takes uh, uh, effort. It takes work in order for this to happen. You have to invest into relationships in order for you to have relationships. You've got to invest time. You've got to invest money. You've got to invest your love. You've got to invest some of your privacy. You've got to invest your, your feelings. You've got to invest opening up. You've got to invest if you really want to have solid, close relationships with people. But here's the tough thing about investing in people. People are broken, right? People are imperfect. And because of that, they might not give you a good return on your investment. And so a lot of people, because they understand this, because they've been burned before, they choose not to invest with people. They choose not to invest with relationships because they think it's just going to be like the last person I invested in. They're going to they're disappoint me. They're going to discourage me. They're not going to meet my standards. And so why even invest? You might invest and invest and invest and invest in a friendship. And they might deeply disappoint you. They might deeply do something to hurt you. And that's the risk. That's the risk in investing in relationships. But the, but the risk is worth the investment. 
high risk, high reward. And people are always, always, always a high risk because you can't control people. You can't control what they do. You can't make a person love you. You can't make a person forgive you. You can't make a person be kind to you. You can't be, you can't make a person say yes to your invitation. You, you just can't control a person. And so there is a high risk involved in building relationships, but there is a high, high reward in living this way as well. And just because there's a high risk should not deter us from investing in people because God is faithful. And for every 10 people who disappoint you, there will be one person that gets it. There will be one person that gets you. There will be one person that you say, man, I can be real with them and I can be genuine with them and I can open up to them and and I can tell them anything and they're going to encourage me and they're going to help me. And when I need to be pulled forward, they're going to pull me forward. And when they need to be pulled forward, I'm going to pull them forward. And, And for for every 10 people that disappoint you, you'll have that one person that you say, I can do life with that person. And it is absolutely worth it. Absolutely worth it. But it takes intentional effort to invest in relationships. We live in a time where people are shocked by the return that they get, even though it actually matches the investment they made. Did you hear that? We live in a time where people are shocked by the return that they get, even though it actually matches the investment that they made. We live in a a time where we we, we want everything to happen fast. We want relationships to happen fast. We want... Uh, to get rich fast. We want to build our brand fast. We want our church, I'm guilty of this, to grow fast. We want, we want our marriage to be perfect fast. We want our children to be, you know, little angels fast. Life just doesn't work that way. You have to invest and invest and take care of that investment, uh, pour into that investment, sacrifice for that investment, and then maybe it'll work out. You know what I'm saying? We can't expect a home run return when we've only given a ground ball worth of effort in building relationships. It just doesn't work that way. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 says, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. So if you don't give a lot, don't expect to get a lot. If you don't invest and you don't take off your mask and invest in relationships, don't expect other people to take off their mask and invest in your life, okay? Because Jesus said the amount you give is what determines the amount you get back, not the amount you think you're entitled to, not the amount that you expect. He says the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. So if you give in relationships generously, you'll get back generously as well. Ephesians 4.3 says this, Make every effort to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace, each individual working together to make the whole successful. Paul is saying here that unity in the church takes effort, and it takes each individual working together together to accomplish unity. 
How, how many of you know it just takes one person to come up in this church with, 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 uh, to sow discord, to sow disunity, uh, to, to sow something like that to, to kind of mess things up? Okay? It takes effort on everybody's part to have unity within the church. This isn't just the, the few faithful people that keep the unity. It's everybody working together to accomplish unity and peace within a church. It means that we are to constantly exert effort to bring and keep unity here at the Grace Place. It's not just a one-time thing. We continually work and give effort to be unified, to, to keep with the vision, uh, to, to, to get pastor's heart, to, to know what's going on here at the church. And we have to continually take effort to create this unity within the church. We, we are to guard our unity. We are to protect our unity. We are to fight for our unity. Because if we let someone in here with their own agenda so discord and disunity, it will shatter and destroy the community that we are trying to build here at our church. So if I could have the worship team come up. As I close today, if, if we connect the two words in our acronym for today, it says genuine effort. A genuine effort. That's what it's going to take for us to walk out what God has put on our heart for our church this year. It's going to take genuine effort. That's what God is requiring of us this year in creating that culture of being together. It's going to take a genuine, authentic, sincere effort on all of our part. You know, because our church is still very small, we don't have a lot of any group all right, any social groups, any age groups, any uh, uh, ethnic groups. We don't have a lot of any group. We're kind of just this mishmash groups of people that have just come together and, and we worship and gather together and are trying to build relationships together. You know, we don't have a lot of young families in this church. We have a few. We don't have a lot of young adults in this church. We have a few. Uh, we don't have a lot of seniors in this church. We don't have a, a lot of college students in this church. We don't have a lot of single professionals in this church, but we kind of have a few of each to choose from, right? And some would view this as a bad thing, but it's actually what being together is all about because it forces you to, diverse, to diversify your relationships. It forces you not to just hang with who looks like you, acts like you, thinks like you, has the same views as you. Like, I encourage you, go have coffee and build a relationship with someone who voted differently than you. Why not? Are you scared that they're going to mess with your precious little views? Hang out with people that think differently than you. Hang out with people that, that will challenge your thoughts and will say, have you ever thought about this? Or this is why I don't believe that way. Isn't that what community is all about? It's about diversifying our friendships. It's about being with people who we might not normally be with. That's what Jesus does. He brings together people who would normally not ever be together, but he causes us to come together, and he calls us the body of Christ. 
You know, this, this void in which some people would call it when you don't have a large group of any, any groups, you don't, you know, this void, it actually is an opportunity for a 19-year-old college student to hang out with a stay-at-home mom, yeah. right? Where do you have the opportunity to do that? It creates an opportunity for a black person to hang out with a white person or a, uh, a, a, a Hispanic person to hang out with an Indian person. You'll never be the same when you hang out with an Indian, right? <laughs> Where else do you have these opportunities? Where else do you have that opportunity? It creates an opportunity for an empty nester to hang out with a family with young children. It creates a, an opportunity for people who would normally never set foot in someone else's home because they're in a different stage of life. They're, they're in a different socioeconomic bracket. They, you know, whatever. Whatever it is, it gives you an opportunity to step foot in someone's home, step foot in someone's life, step foot in someone's situation that you would never have thought of doing before. And that is what community is all about. Not just hanging with people who are the same as you, but diversifying, allowing it to be a little awkward. You know how many lunches and coffee meetings I've had since I moved to New York City where it's been awkward? The first time John and I had coffee together, Man, it was so awkward. It's like, who is this cat, man? <laughs> it was awkward. But man, we've become such good friends, and he's connected to our church, and, and we do life together now. He's even rooting for the Chiefs tonight, even though he's a Steelers fan, you know? But that would not happen had I not gotten through the awkwardness. Had I not got, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm in my 30s. I've got a family He's, he, he was like 19 at the time. What do I have in common with him? But because we broke through the awkwardness, he is a great friend of mine, someone that I can count on most of the time. <laughs> someone I can truly count on, that guy right there. And I built relationships with some of you where I don't have, I don't have a lot in common with you, but the common denominator is that we both love Jesus, and he brings us together. Get around some people who are different than you. Get around some people who make you uncomfortable. Get around some people where it feels awkward because it's in that awkwardness that community is built. This is what God has for us this year, but it's going to take genuine effort on all of our parts. Can't just be one, two, three, four, five of us doing this. It's got to be all of us saying, you know what? I'm going to take my mask off. And I'm going to let you see what's underneath. You might not like what you see, but you know what? We're all growing in our faith together. Jesus is all, he's making both of us whole together. And that's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take, genuine effort. Amen.